Hi, my name is Ellie and welcome to my podcast in the highs and the lows. This podcast is a really cool opportunity for me to get to go on and talk with my friends about what God is doing in our lives because I truly believe that even though we are young, we have the impact to go and help as many people as we can and that's what I'm trying to do here. Uh, I'm so glad you're listening and I'm really excited for you to tune into this new episode. So go ahead and start listening right about now. Another episode of In the Highs, In the Lows. My name is Ellie, and today I have a special guest. Hey guys, it's Trina. Alrighty, tell us a fun fact. So, I have two. Um, one, here's the fun fact, alright. I'm a two-time fantasy football league champion. Oh, so it's just like a friend league, a family league? They're two different leagues, so oh, okay. I had some family in one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there were 12 of us, so this is legit. Oh, that's a pretty big league. For, for the yeah. guys listening, you understand this is very competitive. <laughs> um, I did not just beat three other people, all right? Um, and then the other one was another 12-team league with just some family friends through our church. Valid. Yeah. Um, who's your quarterback? This was like long three or four years ago, so... Nursing school gets me a little bit gets me a little bit busy. Yeah. But um oh man, I I'm I'm sorry, not sorry to the Patriots fans out there, but I never drafted Tom Brady. I'm 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 not no, a... I'm excited about it. as a Seattle fan <laughs> who lost Tom Brady at one point in the Super Bowl, I'm so happy about that. <laughs> so there you go. That's that's who my quarterback was not. I pretty much had all of them all the way through the years. Mm, so that makes sense. Okay, cool. Hopefully you had Wilson at one point. We love we did love Russell Wilson. He's not great. He's not very good anymore. On that's, the Broncos, Broncos are terrible this season. That's true. My mom's not too happy about that. That's, that's her team. Oh, but, that's um, rough. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm a Seattle fan. We're doing well enough, and there that's all go. that I care about. I mean, hey, Geno Smith, he's he's hanging he's in there good. pretty well. Yeah. Like, he got injured last game, and Drew Locke had to go play for him for a little bit. Oof. It was crazy. Okay. What's your other fun fact? My other fun fact, this is more of a seriously, you guys, but I'm an Enneagram one wing two and an ESTJ on the Myers-Briggs, so that hopefully gives some of you guys a little bit more insight into my brain. And, and Yeah, and not that anybody asks, but here's why. Um, I'm, I'm asking, Ellie, what's you yours can. Enneagram and your Myers-Briggs? Um, I am an eight wing seven, and then my Myers-Briggs is ENTP, which according to online is classified as the debater oh which makes a lot of sense knowing me i don't know if you know me well enough to know how much i debate but i will argue pretty consistently i feel that yeah but like the lord is using that yeah and i've learned to be nicer about it yeah sure thank goodness because i was not always nice about it girl i hear that (laughs) i hear that for sure so we're talking about esther so do you want to talk about scripture and what goes on throughout this book and stuff absolutely yeah so I'd love to just kind of to use a golf analogy and we'll tee this up a little bit. Um, so Esther is a 10 chapter um, book of Bible. Um, so in chapters one through two, basically we've got this Persian king. Um, he's king of the largest known empire at this time in, in the ancient world. Um, and he's looking Roman empire dudes. Yes. Getting <laughs> <laughs> yes. a Roman empire joke. Sorry, that was bad. Keep going. <laughs> we love it. Oh my gosh, um, your New Testament professor would be very proud of you. 
Thank you. I hope you would be. There you go. Yeah. Um, so basically this Persian king, um, who's essentially the bachelor, let's be honest, um, he's looking for a new queen. So what does the bachelor do when he's looking for a new queen? He holds the TV show, The Bachelor, and he invites all kinds of beautiful young women from his kingdom to compete for the crown. Legit, y'all, I'm not kidding, okay? Some of y'all are like, now, man, I really want to read the book of Esther now. So here you go. You're <laughs> welcome. Um, so this young Jewish girl named Esther, she wins this whole beauty pageant and she's made queen. Now, note her Jewish heritage, though. That's really important to the story, so just keep that in mind. In chapters three through four, um, Esther, Esther's got this cousin and guardian, this person basically who ended up adopting, adopting her named Mordecai. So Mordecai actually refuses to bow down and essentially worship the king's right-hand guy. Um, there's all kinds of interesting reading on this, but essentially how he was supposed to bow was like a certain way of prostrating yourself that was reserved only for the most high God. Well, Haman is like highly offended. Uh, no, that Mordecai's man. not doing this. Yeah. Um, but Mordecai does have those Jewish roots and wants to honor God. And so um, he refuses to bow down. And so Haman gets really upset and he plots to kill not just Esther's cousin Mordecai, but all of the Jews in the kingdom. Mm, However, an overreaction. <laughs> <laughs> legit, legit. Um, the king doesn't know, though, that his beloved queen is Jewish and that he basically just signs a law into action to kill his wife and everyone who's important to her. And ultimately God's chosen people as well. Mm -hmm. So Ellie, Mordecai hears of the plot and he reports it to Esther. But as queen, Esther can go to the king and ask for his help. But the law says that no one, not even the queen, can come and visit the king without an invite. Mm -hmm. um, if they do... Legitimately, they're killed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which, this is the part of the story where Mordecai kind of gives Esther a pep talk, if you will, into chapter four, which we'll get there. And um, Mordecai's like, he says in verse 14, he's like, Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. But who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. So from chapters five through ten, um, we see we see then that Esther listens to Mordecai's advice. She boldly goes in before the king and um, reveals her nationality of, of being Jewish. She reveals Haman's wicked plot to kill her and all of her people. And um, the king is shocked to find out this, and he asks, "Who in the world would want to do this?" He ends up having Haman killed, his right hand guy. And um, Mordecai is promoted to power, and Esther's faith and courage save her people. Mm. Sorry, my voice is like actively cutting in and out. I'm about to cough. Go ahead and keep talking. You're good. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of that's kind of the uh, a n summary and summary a summary an overview is what I was going to say um, of this book. So. I will say, and I would love to give this link to Ellie to put in the show notes if she's cool with it. Um, the Bible Project has an awesome summary video on the book of Esther. <coughs> Sorry. All good, yes, Ellie. I will. I don't know how to do that, but I will say um, I also watched that right before this, and you can just Google Bible Project Esther. Yes. And that's what I would recommend doing because I do not know how to put links in there. Got it. 
yeah. hey, it's all good. Um, so we're gonna make your own show notes, ladies and gentlemen. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna hit the Google. Hit the Google. Um, it's like three words. They're all decently easy to spell. You'll be good. I believe in you. <laughs> Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Right. Um. So kind of as we as we study the passage. I really searched for like those character flaws and traits that would show why God, air quotes, shouldn't use Esther. But mm -hmm. honestly, as we get into more into her story, she really is in a lot of ways a victim of some really difficult circumstances. Um, she really tends to show fairly strong character because the main point of the story is really how God is using her despite her circumstances, despite the challenges that are set up against her. Um, she really must have had a lot of faith in God to be living in a foreign land, taken from her family to live in the palace and rule as queen over the very people that are conquering and holding her um, her Jews in, in, in captivity. So a little bit more on that later about the Lord using them despite their circumstances. Mm -hmm. I think circling back, we're going to get into this more. Oh, actually, never mind. I see this in your notes, so I will get back to it later. We can talk about it later. Um, yeah, but I do. It's such a like thorough story, so I don't know if you mentioned this at all. Um, I think I'm assuming you do, but if not, I'm sorry. I'm going to spoil it. Go for it. Um, but God is not mentioned once this entire book, and it is the only book in the Bible where God is not mentioned. In fact, um, but I think that, that sometimes we think, because I haven't mentioned God in my life enough, that God is moving. Mm. But I think that's another thing where it's like, just because you didn't mention God doesn't mean that God is moving. There's so many circumstances throughout this entire book. Like, all of the Jews almost get killed, but Esther's queen, a Jew, like, and Mordecai saves the king from a death threat. And Mordecai's Jew, like, clearly there is a connection there. That's not a coincidence, that is a purposeful event. That's a sovereign God behind all of it, drawing a nice line. Like, for example, I have a dot to dot next to me that I was doing before Trina came in because I was bored and didn't want to do my math homework. Um, Anybody else been there? Come on, just um, give us a like. Yeah. Us a <laughs> but um, that dot to dot, like, it's like, I'm not just like doing random dots. It's one, two, three, four, five, all the way up to like, I think it's 454. It's a huge dot to dot. It's for adults, I promise. Um, <laughs> But like drawing those lines, like the lines I draw on that are very purposeful because if I want the picture to turn out, it's purposeful. We see, see the same thing with God. God is purposely, it's a hermit crab. I think, I haven't finished. Um, for people listening, I might post it. We'll see. But um, basically I'm like, it's drawing a connection. You're going from one to two to three to four. I'm not going from one to 321 to 286 and just bumping around. And it's the same thing with yeah. God. We see him draw specific lines and specifically tie things together so that Esther's in the place she needs to be. Like, I just, I think that's so fascinating. And like, people can make a case like, God isn't good. God isn't sovereign. Like, God has no control over my situation. I don't understand why God has control over your situation, but he does have control over uh, your situation. Like, and you can tell me that he does, but you're telling me incorrectly. Like, you are wrong. Mm. And you just get to deal with that. See, debate of personality. But, mm. yeah. But I think that's so good because it's like we see throughout this entire story, God is like connecting the dots between all of it and revealing the picture. We didn't even know there's a picture being revealed. And I, I, I think it's so good. Mm. Yeah. Come on. So there you go. Even even from that, if I can make a, a, a point off of your point, Ellie, is that go right ahead. Like, y'all, there are times in life where 
we're just seeing like maybe it's to use the example of a hermit crab maybe we're, you're just seeing like the claw shape and you it just looks like this round blob you don't even know that it's a claw and you're like that's what you're seeing in your life and you can be really frustrated at the lord of like lord where am i where are you mm -hmm. why am i here what's going on mm -hmm. but just keep going you would just continue to worship the lord to trust him to seek get him to in his dot. word get to that next dot get to the next one and he will continue to show you in just his perfect timing so mm -hmm. Be encouraged, friends. Be encouraged. Yeah. Good. So a little bit more about our wonderful Esther. Um, fun fact, she actually, Esther is like her Persian name, um, mm -hmm. but her Hebrew name is Hadassah, which means little tree. Um, um, her name, like what people call her is kind of another like, circumstantial piece of like she's been renamed um if any of you guys are familiar with the story of daniel like they they get captured and they're mm -hmm. brought into another kingdom and they get different names that aren't even their their hebrew ones that hebrew names have such intimate connection with they were like this is like who you are when they're you meaningful. get this name they're really meaningful so just interesting piece there that even esther's name ends up in the bible but her her true name given by her parents um not even what she's called by, but yet, despite all of that, the Lord still uses her. Um, and she still lives out of who she truly is. Mm -hmm. um, so let's dive into the text here. Um, Esther chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And we're going to learn a couple of key points about this young woman. So it says, Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai. This is her uncle. The son, or rather her cousin, the son of Jair, mm -hmm. son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjaminite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, or as my pastor likes to call King Neb, king mm -hmm. of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa at the citadel in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. So a couple of things, quite a few things, honestly, from these first few verses, but um, sort of, I'll kind of rapid fire and then, well, no, I'll just do these one at a time. Um, verse 5, y'all, we see that um, Esther's family, Esther was a, a, a Benjaminite. Um, technically, this verse is talking about Mordecai, but they're family, they're related, so, so. y'all got that, okay? I'm being biblical here, okay? <laughs> um, Benjamin, what do we know about the tribe of Benjamin? They were the youngest, Benjamin was the youngest son of Israel. Um, there's been probably hundreds of books written on this topic, but y'all, in a nutshell, Benjamin being the smallest tribe, being the youngest, especially in ancient times, like, the youngest child was, like, forgotten, was kind of the, the lowest of the low. Mm -hmm. So much favor was given towards the eldest. Yeah. And so, even just, there's that. And then there's, that kind of continued to bleed over and, and be true for 
that tribe as a whole. Mm -hmm. The tribe of Benjamin was also very small. Um, so again, kind of a, a least of these situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can think of an example of that is like going back, I had the David episode. Um, David was the youngest of, I think also 12, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and he was not looked upon. His father didn't even call him up for the anointing. He was still mm. out in the fields. Doesn't have an extreme significance. Sorry, my nose is really stuffy right now. I've been sick. Um, if you listen to an episode of London in a couple of weeks, I will be sick in that episode too because they were recorded on the same day. But um, we also see like a Benjaminite, like um, I can think of two times that a Benjaminite is recognized in the Bible, which I haven't read the whole Bible. So like, things with a grain of salt, probably more. But um, it's this story. And then they are the only ones that go with Judah to split off Israel into two breaks. But that's kind of like, kind of all they got going for them. They don't got a whole ton. And I think like going into that despite thing, which we'll go more into that. I think like you're kind of from a lame tribe. Like, I know that's not the word they use, but, like, it's kind of lame compared to the other. Like, you're no Judah, you know? Like, you're no Joseph. I think Joseph was his own tribe. You're no Levite. That's a great one. You're no Levite. Come on, man. So, yeah. There you go. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Um, another piece about this is that Esther and her people, her people Israel, are in the setting of the story, right? They're in captivity under Persian rule. Um, if that wasn't bad enough, why are they in captivity? Their entire nation was disobedient to God. Repetitively, repeatedly. That's what a lot So the microphone's cut out for a second, but we're back. We're chilling. Go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Um, yeah, so just really, that verse 6. Um, they're in captivity under Persian rule because of national disobedience to God. Like, that's mm -hmm. a big deal for sure. Um, so another reason why, like, air quotes really shouldn't be used by God, mm -hmm. yet he does. Um, two more, two more kind of big key points here from this. From verse seven, we see that, um, Esther was an orphan and she's living with her cousin. So not only is she not in her home nation of Israel, not only does she, has she been born in exile, um, not only, um, is she a young woman in a day and age where they really weren't valued a whole lot? But she's an orphan, mm -hmm. and she's living with her cousin in this foreign land. Um, that's that's just a lot, just a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, those kind of people again, lowest could be could be lowest of the lows. She probably was quite poor. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you don't really have to read much more into that, but not a great situation. Um, another piece of this was that. In verse 8, we see that, um, you know, the king's order was was given. And if this is just, this just says that many young women were gathered. Like, she was taken. We don't really know if she wanted to go or not, or how she felt about leaving and being taken away from her only family member. Now she's really all alone with these, like, strange people. And um, just really like knowing that she's going to be serving the king and really whatever way he wants, which any of us can read into that. Um, that's, I can only imagine she just was taken. She didn't have a choice, but in all, and in all of this, like now she's alone. And this was even before she knew or any of us knew that she would ultimately help save her people from evil Haman and from certain death. Mm -hmm. Last piece to this is that she was afraid um 
in chapter 4, verse 11, jumping a little bit, um, chapter 3 just talks about the plot of Haman against the Jews. Great thing to read for the sake of time. We're not going to today. But um, in verse 11 of chapter 4, um, it Esther says that all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there's but one law, to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. End the quote. So she's she's talking to her cousin Mordecai. After, this is after they find out about the plot against the Jews. And Mordecai's like, you got to go talk to gonna go talk to the king like see what you can do you're the queen for crying out loud hopefully you can do something because like there's no one else who's gonna stick up for the jewish people mm-hmm. um and esther's like okay yeah that's that's great but like i will literally die if if the king isn't pleased with me if he doesn't extend his golden scepter i'm i'm gonna lose my life and all the jews um because he hasn't invited me in mm-hmm. um but Despite, despite even that, um, the next verses tell us, um, in verse 16, it says that, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but j- she asks Mordecai and his friends to hold a fast um, and says that she's going to pray and fast, and then she's going to go to the king. And mm-hmm. she says, quote, if I perish, I perish. So I guess the thing that jumps out the most is really her bravery in that moment of like you can only imagine there's there's got to be great fear but yet she chooses to be willing to sacrifice herself mm-hmm. um, to go to the king and potentially die for it to save her people from dying um, which beautifully points us to the gospel and this is like 400 years before Christ, roughly, um, points us to the fact that, like, Jesus Christ, he was willing to sacrifice himself to God to atone for and on behalf of the people, um, his people, Mm -hmm. so that they could be saved from death and be saved from destruction. So, um, seems like a good point to turn to telling if there's anything that he does um trying to think like what my full thoughts are i i do think the bravery is really important and i think looking at that like excuse me the bravery we see is that she sees that uh we don't see her say specifically that she is that god calls her to this but we do see a uh something that god would not approve of is going on the killing of the jews um b we see that she doesn't just rashly make a decision she says or not rashly make a decision, because she does make the decision pretty quickly because she knows it's right, but she doesn't rashly cause the action. She doesn't just automatically do it. She says, I'm going to spend three days and three nights in fasting and prayer so that I know when I go, God's by my side. And like, once again, it doesn't directly say that, but it does directly say the thing about fasting and prayer. So that's my question for you listening and for you as well, Trina. Um, if God is calling you to something, which he's calling all of us to something, which is sharing the gospel, and there's more of that. You're calling specific, but also like at the end of the day, you're calling and sharing the gospel. Amen. Um, so when you're doing that, are you A, following that cause, calling? Because we see Esther do that. 
And then B, are you backing that up with time specifically spent in the word, which we don't see because it's a different time period. They didn't really have the word as accessible as we do now. And then B, do we see us spending time in prayer and in fasting with the Lord? When was the last time that you fasted? Beginning of the year, actually. Interesting. I have not fasted since like the eighth grade. Um, and if you struggle with spending time with Jesus, the fasting will fix that real fast. Because, dude, the way you're hungry no and you're just like, Lord, um, Lord. Oh, true. Um, like, Lord, I'm starving. You have no idea, man. But I'm going to talk to you because that's my only way out. And we see this and we see the bravery. And then we also see like going into that fasting idea. We see her saying, like, I'm going to take away from what I used to fill myself to fill you, um, mm. if that makes sense, sort of. But um, she's like, I'm not I'm not going to be filled by food. I'm going to be filled by you. And also, like, hopefully, not really that this feels God, feels God, too, but it's like, it's her saying, I don't need that for myself. I just need mm. you. Um, which, like, I think it's so fascinating how much biblical truth is taken from this book, though, even though, once again, God is not mentioned in this book. Yeah. Like, God is more implied. And I think, I don't know, it's almost like when going back to share the gospel, like, if you saw Esther, not Esther, if you saw Esther walking around the street, um, I almost feel like you would see God implied in her life. Like, mm. she might not necessarily bring up God to you, but you would see it implied to her life. You, like, you could imply. So here's my question for you listening. Can people imply Jesus through your life? Like, can I look at you and see that you have the joy of the Lord? Can I see that you have those fruits of the Spirit living out? And I say, I can imply that um, Jesus lives in that person. Can I do that? So if you're listening and you don't feel that way, you got to work on some things real fast because that is a very important part. But I think that those are the, like, the major takeaways I take from that. Especially, like, in the end, like, if I perish, I perish. Like, she's saying, I, if I die, I die. Because... In her situation, it's either I go to the king and he listens, I go to the king and he kills me, or I don't go to the king and everybody dies. Mm. So it's like, what are you going to do? Two or three situations, you're going to die. You might as well take the one where there's a possibility where you're not. So mm. um, we are in situations today where we're not, well, okay, if you're listening to this in like the Middle East, you might die. If you're listening to this in the U.S., which the majority of people are, you're not going to die for telling somebody about Jesus. That's just not going to happen. It's a very slim chance. Nobody's going to kill you. We live in a free country. You'll be okay. Get over it. Um, we're not. She's willing to die for this. And we aren't even willing to deal with social anxiety to go tell somebody about Jesus. Uh, and I think that that's such like an important thing to think about. Because it's like, when I have to start like questioning myself. When was the last time I told somebody about Jesus? When was the last time I told somebody about Jesus? Because that is life or death. Knowing mm. Jesus is... Either I perish or I don't. Um, but telling somebody about Jesus is not that situation. Uh, and so I think, like, she is so brave to go out and she tells them. And, like, she, in a way, shares her God with her king. Because she has so much faith that it's like, you can't tell me that he didn't imply God from that situation. Like, going back to, like, can I tell God through your fruits? Somebody was brave enough to save all their people, like, and come in front of me, even though I have the right to kill them. Like, you can imply that there's something deeper yes. going on. So I think that that's really important. I kind of went off track there, but it, it's all good. It all applied. So we're chilling. There yeah. you go. Yes. Hey, we trust, we trust the flow of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. speaking with. He wants to speak through us despite despite all the things. Yes, ma'am. Um, no, I think, that's, I think that's so good, Ellie. And I think that 
you're 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 absolutely right that oftentimes um, we don't we don't share the gospel um, and we are afraid of we are afraid of people are afraid of what they might say or not say or it's sounding weird or even mm-hmm. like I don't know about y'all but sometimes I feel like man we maybe like I'll be exposed and there will be some area of my faith that I don't fully understand all the apologetics on and I'm you know maybe they mm-hmm. say something to me that I can't answer but and you know what guys like the hard truth is that that's entirely possible but mm-hmm. guess what like when you go read Acts 1-8 and you go read um, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, Jesus doesn't get into all that. He doesn't say, go and tell all the world about your perfect apologetics using your four-year Bible college degree and or, you know, all your knowledge from growing up in church or not church or whatever. He says, go and tell. Mm-hmm. Go and make disciples. Um, so... That you truly understand and take God at His word for that, and you obey it. The Lord, honestly, He He truly does take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. He, he there might be those uncomfortable moments with someone. There might be whatever, but at the end of the day, it's about are you being obedient to your Lord or not? Mm-hmm. Are you truly like if He is your Lord of your life? Are you are you obeying Him? Period. Yes. Not letting anything else get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easier said than done, y'all. Easier 100%. said than done. Yes. Oh, Esther, sweet Esther. Okay, so um, kind of just to to tie things up with a pretty bow here and, and go even further into the takeaway and another takeaway that we can kind of consider and that takeaway is that God was working on the solution before Mordecai and Esther even knew that there was a problem. Mm-hmm. Much like the, um, what is this? The dots thing. What's it called? Dot to dot. Dot to dot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, much like the dot to dot, like, that we talked about earlier, God was placing Esther and Mordecai in the country, in the na- in the nation of, in the empire of Persia, like, in bringing Esther up to power long before there was going to be some evil guy named Haman who got offended at Mordecai and you know, decided to set up this whole plot to kill the Jews. God was was looking out for his people while they were in captivity for disobeying him. He Mm -hmm. was still looking out for them. He was still working on a solution and moving people around before the people who were going to actually, like, fulfill God's purposes before they even knew what they were doing. Or if they knew. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So what's What's one way that this you kind of can see this applying, this principle applying to your life? Maybe there are problems and issues in your life that are outside of your control. Maybe there's difficult family circumstances. Maybe it's maybe it's it's financial. It's just hard hits. Maybe that car, maybe you didn't anticipate that you gotta replace all four tires like right now, shell out that thousand dollars or whatever, right? Maybe yeah. Maybe, like, ends aren't quite meeting on tuition. Maybe there's, I mean, there's so many things that could be outside of our control. But you guys, hear me when I say this, that, and hear me when, hear the book of Esther, when it, it, it shares this, that God is working on a solution to those issues before you ever even knew that there was a problem. Mm-hmm. He is that good. He is that faithful. 
Um, and he he wants to wants to, he will be faithful to show you and teach you what you need to know, whether it's in the moment and it's in the middle of the situation, or it's hindsight and that being 2020. But God will be faithful to you no matter what. And I think that that's that's uh that's that. The Lord will use you in your circumstances, like all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think like going into that. I'm going to go back to the dot to dot because uh, I think it's really good. There's a point on this dot to dot where I messed up, where I accidentally connected uh, 23 and 33. Um, so don't, you're supposed to go 23 24. But I wasn't oh paying attention. Gosh, yeah. No, you can see it right there. Yeah, so I messed up just a little bit, and now the picture is just a little bit messed up. And I think sometimes with our lives, we go and we see it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. But 6 is nowhere near us, and 7 is right by us. We decide to skip over to 7. Well, we skipped six. Now the picture's not complete. Mm. Uh, and I think that's what we do with our lives is sometimes we assume that, like, almost we know better than God because we see how far away one area that he's calling us to, so we jump ahead or we jump to the wrong one. Mm. Um, and it's like the way that God has handed out, you got to go in the order that it goes because that order is the way you make the picture. If you don't go in that order, that picture ain't going to turn out right. And, I mean, with my little mess up, you can still tell it's our hermit crab. It's fine. It's only a little one. And... I'm assuming that's what it looks like for most of our lives. But just like when it comes to following God, are we trying to jump ahead? Are we trying to assume that our plan is better than his plan? Because I could circle a bunch of random dots on this piece of paper and I could probably make a picture, but the picture isn't going to be what it was supposed to be. Mm. Um, And I think that like for our lives, like whatever happens, God is going to put that life, like he's going to put it back together and it's going to be in his glory. Um, But that also might mean I draw a smiley face by connecting dots. He takes a marker over it and draws the right picture. Mm. Um, so in your life, like, what does that look like? Are you going to the next dot that God has called you to? Or are you just scribbling on that piece of paper? Mm. That was like a really like in-depth uh, analogy, but it's okay. I think, I think people got it. So I got it. See, that's one. And the rest of you, I can't hear. So, ha! Well, I don't. Mm-hmm. Got you. Okay. Hey, do you have any final points before we call today? Mm. Y'all, I... I would just say, like, at the end of the day, focus on how you see the gospel in this awesome book that Esther's king, or Esther's willingness to go to the king to save her people from death points us to Jesus Christ, who 400 years later would leave heaven, come down to earth, and be willing to, and ultimately go to sacrifice himself to God to take away the sins of his people, of the whole world, that they could be saved from death and eternity apart from God. He died on the cross. He rose again three days later um, for your salvation. And so that not only can you spend eternity someday when you die with God, but that eternal life could start as soon as you say yes to the Lord, Mm -hmm. that your life would be forever changed in the best way, that your life would be um, life and life more abundantly, as John 10.10 tells us. So, Mm -hmm. um, if you're interested in learning more about that, um, I encourage you to find a find a great church near you. Um, lean into lean into reading the Word and studying it for yourself. Use mm-hmm. those Bible Project summary videos. Yes, ma'am. Um, those are so helpful. I use those pretty much every time I make one of those videos. If I'm going over like a whole book or something, I'm, I'm using it. There you time. go. Yeah. Yes, y'all. They're like illustrated and really interesting. They're, but don't awesome. but don't replace your Bible with them. There that's you not your Bible. That's a YouTube video. A man made that. We're looking for the stuff made by God. 
Come on. Right. I just had to go up on that real fast. <laughs> there you same, go. Same with these. Y'all, that's the same with your food. Like, don't, yeah. don't let me get on a nutrition rant here, but I'm just saying, like, you know, eat more fruits and veggies than, than the Oreos. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, like, applesauce doesn't count as your fruits and veggies. It's like saying a Bible project counts as your church, um, or, like, your Bible reading. It's like saying applesauce counts as an apple. There you it go. Um, okay. Still delicious. Still needed. Actually, I really want applesauce now, but I don't have any in my dorm, sadly. I ate all of my applesauce in my dorm. No. I, I buy it pretty consistently, too. That's okay. tragic. Well, thank you all for listening so much. I had a grand old time making this episode. Yeah, so did Trina. She winked at me. So, <laughs> um, yes, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you haven't already, you should go and buy some of the merch we have on our online store. All the proceeds that are made this month, which is actually not that much. I don't get very many. All the proceeds this month are going to a Walk for Life that I'm doing, um, which goes to funding a pregnancy center to show people who are pregnant the uh, heartbeat of their baby to prevent abortions. It's not the type where they run out of people and they're like, don't get an abortion, you're going to go to hell. It's where they show the heartbeat, calm down. Um, but this isn't, if you're listening to this podcast and you're pro-abortion, um, I do want you to know this is an anti-abortion podcast. That's not the entire point, but we do not believe in abortion here. Um, we believe it's real. Not that it's a good thing, though. Yeah, that's, that's clarified enough. <laughs> I know it's a real thing. Um, I'm just saying it's not a good thing. But, um, okay. Also, go follow the Instagram, at in the highs, dot in the lows. Um, I go with people wearing my pink cowboy hat, and I ask people questions. I went over to Trina, and I sang her name. I would do it for you now, but I feel like I have to save it for the Instagram and the TikTok. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, um, but it, it sounded amazing. I'm really skilled at singing. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I've considered that as a future career path, but here we are. Um, no. But thank you all so much for listening. I highly recommend that you go check all those things out. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye.